the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, it's very easy to make the mistake of thinking we only need God's Spirit to do spiritual things, right? God designed mankind to be filled with the Spirit in all that He does. And descends in perfect love. And it's so easy sometimes, especially in an area where we know what we're doing, to just fall into the routine of doing it and not coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit for this task. Yes, I have the skill set. Yes, I have this craft. But Lord, you need to help me do it. Hello, and welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. I'm your host, Nate Elliott, as we join Senior Pastor Will Ramirez in the book of Exodus. God had completely forgiven the Israelites for their idolatry with the golden calf. He reiterated to Moses all that needed to be done for the Israelites to maintain their side of the covenant. God had given them instructions to build the tabernacle and priestly garments. Now Moses will be giving instructions for skilled workers to put God's plan into motion. We see Moses talking to the people about these plans as we join Pastor Will in Exodus chapter 35, verse 1. Remember the whole theme of the book of Exodus is God has made a promise to a new nation that he is going to be their God and they're going to be his people. He's going to have a relationship with them. And as we look here and and begin in Exodus 35, as we're going to move forward, there'll be a lot of repetition here, which is why we're going to move forward quickly. But there's so much that we're seeing God do everything that he said he would do. Has anybody here ever wished they'd go back in time and do over certain parts of their life? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't asking for a raise of hands, but now we know who you are. (laughs) No, totally. There's so many things, things that I said, things that I did that I wish I could go right back. Really, I don't even necessarily want to go back in time and do it again. I just want to go back in time and slap myself around. Like, what are you thinking? So I would not make the same error and make the same mistake. Well, while Israel doesn't get to go back in time or erase their past actions and failures, God treats them as if they'd never sinned with that golden calf. We saw that last week as he moves on. He begins to recommit the covenant with them, reset up the covenant with them, and they move forward. Moses goes back up on the mountain. It's almost as if it never happened. And then he comes down the mountain and Israel responds properly this time and he's shining with God's glory. And so now things are going to be different. They get their do-over, so to speak. And what a glorious second chance it is and how they make use of it. Which brings us to an important question. What are you and I doing with the awesome forgiveness that God has given to us? I mean, he has given us a second chance. Are we living in the failures of the past or are we entering into all that God has for us? Guys, we've been forgiven. God wants to bless us. We can't change what we've done in the past. We can make the most of the rest of our lives starting right now. And that's what Israel does right here. So chapter 35, verse 1. So Moses, remember, he's just come down from the mountain. His face is shining, conversing with the people, telling them God's plan. And so now the leadership, and now he comes to the whole congregation. Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together. And he said unto them, these are the words which the Lord has commanded, that you should do them. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day there shall be to you a holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whosoever does work therein shall be put to death. 
You shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations upon the Sabbath day. So here we see, you would think at this point in time, this is such an exciting moment. Moses would get right to the instructions for the tabernacle, right? Nope. He starts with a reminder to keep the Sabbath. Why? Well, remember when Moses was up on the mountain, that the last set of instructions God gave to him before he came down the first time was, remember to keep the Sabbath. And so Moses, he gets that part out of the way first so that no one will make the mistake of neglecting God's commands and their excitement. Listen, we're going to build this tent and we're going to worship God in it and it's going to be awesome. But don't forget to rest on Saturday, you know? <laughs> don't forget to keep the Sabbath, you know? Yeah, the word there for kindle in verse 3 is shall kindle no fire. It means to burn material. The idea of the, the smelting and the molding that's going to be taking place through the metal shaping and whatnot. He's saying, listen, I know this is exciting. I know it's a great thing God's doing and let's put our heart into it. But when his command is to keep the Sabbath, let's keep the Sabbath. And what a great principle for us to remember. In whatever God, work that God calls us to do, we're never to neglect the clear, clear commands of scripture to accomplish those things. You know, we'll see the consequences of violating this when we get to Leviticus, sadly, where God has made clear commands and two individuals get really excited and they violate God's commands and God kills them. We're not free in our excitement and just do whatever, you know? We need to remember to stay obedient to the Lord. So let's stay close to God's word. Let's do what it says so we can avoid that mistake. So after he reminds him to keep the Sabbath, in verse four, he gets right into the tabernacle. Moses spoke unto all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded saying, take from among you an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass, and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and goat's hair and ram skins dyed red, and badger skins and shittim wood, and oil for the light, and spices for anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, and onyx stones, and stones to be set for the ephod, and for the breastplate. Here we see this is just for the materials. In verse 10, he's going to get into something else he's going to ask for a donation for. Now, as I read through this, if this sounds familiar, it's because it is. It's basically most of what remains, in fact, of Exodus is a repetition for Moses' time on the mountain. When you get to those sections of scripture, Moses is hearing from God the instructions, now he's telling them to the people. Now you might be asking the question, why does God have Moses record it twice? Why do we have to find out how many cubits the Ark of the Covenant is and what type of metal this is made out of? Why is it repeated twice? Well, there's many reasons that God would have him record it twice, but one is because we need reminders. I need reminders. Repetition helps us not forget God's commands. A lot of times we do, and then someone comes along and says, hey, don't do that. The Bible says this, and you go, oh, yeah, you know. We need to be reminded. Another reason is to show us that Israel obeyed their God this time. The first time, what did they do? They got impatient, they built an idol, they did things their way, and it was a mess. But this time, they do it exactly as God said. They obey him. Which brings me to a really, really important concept. Most Christians do not struggle in their lives because of the consequences of one or even two really bad choices. I think most of us can look back in our life and we see some really bad choices we've made. But God is so gracious and so good. If you're struggling right now, it's probably not just because of one or two bad decisions. Most Christians struggle because of repeatedly ignoring God's clear commands. That is why most of the time we struggle. They'll disobey God, then they mope about the consequences, but then they repeat the process when God gives them a new opportunity to obey. You know, for the longest time, when a person had a child out of wedlock, they called it God's judgment. I could never imagine that a child would be God's judgment. 
But I have always encouraged a young woman who has become pregnant, and that means I said, you made a mistake. You did some things you shouldn't have done. Yes, now I'm pregnant for it. No, God has allowed you to become pregnant because now you have an opportunity to do the right thing. He's giving you an opportunity to make a good decision now, to be responsible moving forward, to obey him moving forward and do the right thing. Oftentimes we see these things happen and why God, what are you doing? Lord saying, I don't want you to keep making mistakes. This is now an opportunity to turn it around. Yes, it's a hard decision, but it's the right thing. Make some good decisions from here on out. Commit to being obedient to me. Israel doesn't do that. They don't go down that road of just continual disobedience. They obey the Lord. They failed big time, but that wasn't the end of it. God can truly restore the years that the locust has eaten. That's what he says in his word. And he can do that. I've watched him do it in my life. And Israel here lets him do so by moving forward in obedience. I love it here that it mentions where the Lord says, whosoever is of a willing heart, a voluntary or a generous heart, God wants us to be generous. And yet, not everyone's heart would be touched to give materially. That's okay. No one should ever feel guilty about not being moved to give materially to a special need in God's family. There are other ways you can contribute. Look at verse 10. And, which means this was part of the command that started in verse 4. This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Bring an offering and you could do this too. Every wise-hearted person or skilled or intelligent among you shall come. And make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, his tent, and his covering, his tachets, and his boards, his bars, his pillars, and his sockets, the ark, and the staves thereof, with the mercy seat, and the veil of the covering, the table, and the staves, and all his vessels, and the showbread, the candlestick also for the light, and his furniture, and his lamps, and the oil for the light. You know, it's interesting, the masculine pronoun is used there. And we've talked about how all of these things point to Jesus. It's not the neuter pronoun there. And the incense altar and his staves and the anointing oil and the sweet incense and the hanging for the door of the entering into the tabernacle, verse 16, the altar of burnt offering with his brazen gate, his staves and all his vessels, the laver and his foot, the hangings for the court, his pillars and their sockets and the hanging for the door of the court, the pins for the, the pins would be the pegs for the tent portion of the outside, the pins for the tabernacle and the pins for the court and their cords. And then the cloths for the service to do service in the holy place. These are all the priest's garments. The holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister in the priest's office. So they could also, Moses now asked not just for an offering of supplies for the tabernacle, but for skilled people to come and construct the tabernacle and the priest's garments. God has given to some people a wonderful intelligence in regards to artistry. Sometimes that artistry is in regards to music or making things of beauty. I don't make things of beauty. I make things that people laugh at. <laughs> My son was little. He asked me to draw a dolphin because he loved dolphins. I drew a dolphin and he looked at me and laughed and said, Daddy, that's not a dolphin. I don't have that gift, but people do. We saw other people up here. They have a gift for music. Sometimes it's a skill with making things work or putting things together in a more efficient way. Sometimes it's the ability to communicate in writing, in speech, or in physical expression. But all of these gifts can be used for God's glory. You know, I'm sure many of these people made their livelihood through their wise-hearted skill, and yet God called them to donate it to help construct the tabernacle. And so I'd ask you today, if you have this kind of a gift from God, are you being generous with it when God tells you to do so? Are you using it in ways that can encourage people in the Lord and see God's work be done? I have always been rather annoyed by 
uh, the times in the history of the church where we have kind of squelched creativity. I've always been doubly annoyed when at times when it feels like the church is trying to copy the world artistically. I think some people see it and they think, oh, you're just trying to copy the world, you know, so you can be cool. And I don't think that's the case. I think we're just trying to catch up. But I always felt like we're the ones who should be leading the way. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. We should be leading the way. We should be leading the way in the arts. We should be leading the way in creativity. We should be leading the way in, in the invention of not evil things, of course, but of good things. And, and for periods of time, the church embraced that, and we were doing that. Some of the most brightest minds in the history of the world have been God-fearing believers. So use your gifts for the Lord. He didn't ask them to give materially, but they could give and use their gifts to help in the construction of the tabernacle. So how do the people respond? Well, verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. They left. Moses isn't a very good salesman. (laughs) Seldom do you hear a preacher say, we have a need. Go home and pray about it. And if the Lord touches your heart, give tomorrow. Oh no, they ramp up the pressure. They demand you give now, sometimes taking a third or a fourth offering until a quota is reached. But the Lord is not like that. He is a gentleman. He loves a hilarious giver. And so he doesn't put that kind of pressure on us. He commands us to give and then he touches our heart. But the choice to participate is left to us. And those who are his ministers should have the same attitude and heart when they call people to give. Well, verse 21 says, they parted from him and then they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. I love the fact that they answer the Lord's call to be generous. It says they came here, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whose spirit, whom his spirit made willing. The phrase there stirred up means to desire or want to do something. The phrase there for willing means to be in a state of desiring to do something, implying a generosity. The heart refers to man's soul. The spirit refers to the part of us that fellowships with God. So we see here the choice of man and the heart of God working in tandem. God moved on them to be generous and their soul answered the call willingly. This is the biblical model for giving. God calls us to give. He calls us to be generous. And then as our heart is touched by the Lord, we participate with our soul. It says, yes, I want to participate in that. And then we give. That is how giving is supposed to work biblically. That's the biblical model for giving. Now, what did they give? Verse 22. So they came, and I love this, both men and women, as many as were willing hearted. It shows that everyone could serve God. doesn't matter if you're a, a man or a woman. We'll find later on that the leaders of each tribe also brought an offering. Socioeconomic status didn't matter when it came to God's service, and it still doesn't. The ground is truly level in God's family. God wants to use you. You can't look at yourself and say, oh, I'm too young. No, he wants to use you. I don't have enough money. Oh, he wants to use you. I'm this or I'm that. He wants to use you. I'm a woman. I'm an older person. You know, it doesn't matter. He wants to use you. He's not done with you. He hasn't started with you. He's moving in your life. He wants to do things right now. And if you'll just have a heart that says, Lord, I'm here. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. He'll find a place for you. He'll find a place for you. So they came, both men and women, as many as were willing hearted. And they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. These folks, they were willing. They brought all this jewelry. What did, what did Aaron say? See how different idolatry is and the way it works? He said, bring me all your earrings. And it says, remember, it says they ripped them out. You know, the idea, the idea was to bring them, was to take them from people. But here, the Lord doesn't take anything from anybody. He asks them to give and they they take it off and they bring it willingly. And they bring far more than Aaron could have ever conjured up, you know? Far more. 
far better results than any pressure could conceive, that, that any idol could promise. It mentions here that every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. People didn't just bring their unwanted trinkets. They brought their most valuable things to the point that every single person brought some gold. What a generous outpouring here. Every man, verse 23, with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen or goat's hair and red skins of rams and badger skins, they brought those too. And everyone that did offer an offering of silver and brass, they brought the Lord's offering. And every man with whom was found shittim wood for any work of the service, they brought that too. Verse 25, it says, all the women that were wise-hearted did spin with their cans. And they brought that which they had spun, both of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine linen. They had yarn, but they had to twine it into thread to be used. They didn't just bring the yarn and throw it over there. They started getting at it right away. They spun it. They twined it so that it would be ready for use. And all the women, verse 26, whose heart stirred them up in wisdom, they also spun goat's hair. And the rulers, they brought onyx stones and stones to be set for the ephod and for the breastplate and spice and oil for the light and for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The rulers here would have been the leaders of the tribes, very likely more wealthy than others, and thus their possession of these less common items, these more expensive items, they bring them too. Everybody gave. Everybody just had a heart to give and to serve. So the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them willing to bring for all manner of work, which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Israel. And so as the supplies are coming in, you know, the question often arises, where did they get this stuff? Well, remember back in Exodus chapter 12, verses 35 and 36? I love the way the King James puts it. It says, and the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they plundered the Egyptians. You know, they went and they went house to house and said, hey, you know, Moses told us to ask you for stuff. And they said, take it, get out of here, take it, whatever you want. You want the necklace, take it. You want this, take it. That's where they got all these riches. They plundered Egypt, the Bible says. And so now they bring them to the Lord and they offer it for the building of the tabernacle. Now, as the supplies are coming in, Moses announces God's appointment to oversee the construction. So Moses said unto the children, verse 30, children of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Ker, of the tribe of of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in the carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he has put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. Them has he filled with wisdom of heart, to work all manner of work of the engraver, and of the cunning workman, and of the embroiderer, in blue, and in purple, and scarlet, and fine linen, and of the weaver, even of them that do any work, and of those that devise cunning work. So God here, Moses here explains God's choice for the person to be in charge of the construction. It'll be this guy, Bezaliel. Now, I don't know who this guy is. He kind of just comes out of nowhere, but the Lord knows who he is. The word there called means to summon a person to give them a task. God called him. He summoned him to this task of leadership. And, and Moses wants to make it clear. He says, the Lord is called by name, Bezaliel. Moses, God didn't say, pick somebody who'd be really good at this. And then Moses gets to pick whoever he wants. The Lord called him by name. Moses didn't pick this person, you know? Isn't it awesome to know that even though you're just one of a multitude of people, God knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows what he wants you to do. He knows everything about you. 
and he has a specific plan for your life. Bezaliel's his job was to oversee it, and he had a helper, this guy named Aholiab. They would teach the people to do the work. What I super think is cool here, in verse 31, it mentions that God called him, and then he filled him with the Spirit of God, in wisdom, and understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. You know, it's very easy to make the mistake of thinking we only need God's spirit to do spiritual things, right? God designed mankind to be filled with the spirit in all that he does. I mean, look what Bezalel would be able to accomplish through God's spirit. He's going to have wisdom. The word there means skill or expertise. God's going to fill him with the spirit so he can have skill or expertise. I have a confession to make. I am not competent. (laughs) My wife is laughing because she knows. (laughs) I am not competent with certain things. And one of the things I'm not particularly competent with is in regards to handy matters. So when things like hurricanes come through, I'm not the most efficient person to make sure things are well taken care of. But I am a man and I will try (laughs) because I know it's my responsibility. All right. So, as Matthew is barreling up our coast, I am out buying wood, and I'm thinking I need to board up the windows, we need to get this thing ready to go. Now, it had been a very long time ago since I had done this, 2004 with Hurricane Charlie, and I'm trying to put these things up, I'm cutting wood, and I'm putting it in the thing, and I cannot get the thing to stay in there with the nails. Beverly walks out, and she I said, honey, I did this last time, how come I can't get it now? She goes, you didn't do it last time. Ken Taylor did it last time. <laughs> And I went, no, I, oh, you're right. (laughs) But I put it up again for the second hurricane after he did it. She says, yes, you did, sweetheart. The holes were already there, though. (laughs) No, I I got this. I'm going to do this, you know? And man, I was so much in the flesh. My son walks around the side of the house because my wife, in her kindness, is trying to find me help. (laughs) And I'm just really laying into this piece of wood because it's not doing what I wanted to do. I was in the flesh trying to do it in my own strength. I remember the next day, Lord didn't bug me at all that day. But the next day, the next morning, I got up and pulled out my Bible. And you know, as I'm reading through, he says, we need to talk. You can't do anything on your own, Will. I'm a man. I should know how to do this. Men do this stuff. He said, you need my help. I helped you get it up, didn't I? Yeah, I eventually got it up. And you eventually figured out how to make it work. Yeah, I did. Well, you could have avoided all the other castle if you'd just come to me first. And I know this stuff because I'm not competent. And I've had other times where the lawnmower breaks or something else breaks. And, and when I handle it the right way and I pray and I say, Lord, help me to know what to do. And then help me to have the grace and the peace if it's not working. And when that happens, I'm not losing my temper and I'm not getting frustrated. And I'm able to deal with it and walk through it and then eventually come to a solution. Whether it's getting help from someone else or figuring it out on my own, whatever the case might be. It's so easy sometimes to look at the simple tasks in life and think, well, I don't need skill or expertise. I've got the skill and expertise, you know? I've got the chromosomes for this. I can do it. God gave him skill and expertise to do these things. He filled him with a spirit in understanding. The word there means the ability to reason or logically complete a task. There are going to probably be times that they're going to have to figure out exactly how to do this. Now the best way to get this done. And, and the Lord was by his spirit going to empower him with the ability to, to logically work through it. He filled him with the spirit so that he would have knowledge. The word there means the ability to apply what one knows or the craft that one has. There are things that we do have expertise and skill in. But just because you have expertise and skill in doesn't mean that you're going to do it right. I can't tell you how many times, you know, when it comes to trying to understand the Bible. I've been doing this a long time. And I'll be racking my head against the wall just trying to figure out why am I not understanding this, you know? 
And then the Lord's like, well, you could ask, you know? And it's so easy sometimes, especially in an area where we know what we're doing, to just fall into the routine of doing it and not coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I need you to fill me with your spirit for this task. Yes, I have this skill set. Yes, I have this craft. But Lord, you need to help me do it. And then if case anything else is left out, he says, in all manner of workmanship, not just the area of his expertise, but anything that needed to get done, the Lord filled him with his spirit so that he could devise curious works. The word there means to create a design for the tabernacle. In to work in gold and silver and brass, the cutting of stones, carving of wood, and to make all manner of cunning work. The same phrase, to create designs for all the work that needed to be done. You and I need to be filled with God's spirit to accomplish our job tasks. You know, our work-related career tasks. We need to be filled with God's spirit to interact with our coworkers. We need to be filled with God's spirit to make good business decisions. We need to be filled with God's spirit to prosper in our skill sets. He might say, but Will, an unbeliever could do these things without God's spirit. What are you talking about? Yes, they can. But whatever has been accomplished will perish with them. When we accomplish these things in the power of God's spirit, it produces fruit that lasts forever. Because it's fruit that touches people. And so I'd ask you tonight, are you doing your work in the power of God's spirit? Are you doing it with his wisdom? Don't trust in your own expertise, no matter how skilled you might be. God gives people different abilities and talents so they can bless the people around them. God wants to use everyone from every race, both male and female. Everyone has a valuable place in God's kingdom. Everyone is useful and necessary in the body of Christ. God can and will use us as we surrender unto Him. If you have a question or a need, we would love to hear from you. You can reach us at Calvary Chapel Orlando at 407-523-0800 during our office hours Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word.